The title of my message today is Hope for Your Home. For the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be talking about all the different ways where we can find hope. And, and uh, we have a lot to do with uh, the culture we set in our home, just like right here at church, the culture we set in church. And uh, you guys in your homes, you have a lot to do with the culture you set in your home. So uh, we're going to talk a lot about hope over the next few weeks. And on December 10th, we're, our goal is to provide hope in a tangible financial way, obviously. Um, but we're gonna, I'm going to walk you through uh, some things today to show you how we can have hope in our home. But we're going to start in uh, Romans chapter 10. And it's going to, uh, verses 9 was where we're going to start. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart of a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. What I see here basically in this text is, and kind of when we think about the Christmas story as a whole, I mean, we, we hear the Christmas story, we think, Jesus, born in manger, animals, uh, got the, the wise men, all that. Like, that's what we think of, right? Well, I see the Christmas story, and I see the Christmas story is really a great commission story. Christmas as a whole is a great commission story. Um, because part of, part of who we are as a church and what we should be doing, what our, what our goal is, is because we are called to share the good news with great joy to all people. This, I mean, that, that's essentially what's happening here. Like we, we got the Christmas story and this is, this is a great commission. This is our goal. This is what we should be doing. So yes, when I see Christmas, I think this is a great commission story. And when I see, when I, when I'm gonna, we're going to stick on good news because what really, when I say good news, it's really hope that I'm talking about. Because the good news is that Jesus was born. And then, and then he died, rose again for our sins. That is also good news. But because of that, that is our hope. And he's our living hope. So may, when you think of good news, yeah, it's hope. We're delivering hope this Christmas. Don't be focused so much on the gifts or anything. Like, hey, we're delivering hope right here in our homes. And uh, Luke, it says, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. 
This is the Christmas story that I'm referring to. If you're not familiar with it, now you are, all right? And I, like, when I think Christmas story, and this may just be me, maybe you can relate. I think, you know, when I, when I was younger, I was like, Christmas story, okay, there's a motel, all the, you know, no vacancy signs up over here, motel, they sold them, nope, no room here, innkeeper said no more keys left, like, all the things. That didn't happen. Like, that's, that's not what it was. We hear in, and we, the, the, the word in comes across in scripture, but in our minds, we think, oh, we think motel. We think like an actual place where you go check in or anything like that. But ultimately, it's a, it's a wrong picture of Christmas. It's a wrong picture of, of Jesus's birth uh, when, when thinking that way. And maybe I'm alone in that, maybe I'm not. But there's a, there's a, there's a, great, uh, a great artist, uh, Albrecht Dürer, who actually, he has a painting called Nativity. And I'm gonna show you a picture of it. I think it's the most accurate depiction of, of really what it actually looks like um, for like during Jesus' birth. So right here we see, um, oh, I got a laser, shoot, yeah. Okay, here we go. Uh, I don't know why I said that. Okay, here we go. Can you see it on the TV? Dang it, no. Okay, so here, this is like Jesus. Uh, there, this is the... the Generally, what they would call the end is really up top, and we're going to get to that. But this is the manger that he's in. I think that realistically, like this is the most realistic of what it actually looked like. Like we, we may think of a barn, we may think of all these things. I think that this paints a beautiful picture of what it really looked like. And yes, he was born in a manger, which a manger really is just—it's a feeding trough. It was a feeding trough for the animals. So that goes to show us that yes, he was born in a place where angel, or, or where where animals were also kept. But there's, uh, there's actually, I'm going to show you a picture of the manger too. Like we think of a wood manger, like all the classic wood things we put on stages or whatever, like nativity scenes out in your community. Well, realistically, it was this. It, it, was, it was stone most of the time. So you think um, wood isn't comfortable. Well, stone's really not comfortable either. Uh, and yeah, they had, clo- they had uh, cloths and everything, but... Ain't no, nobody going to want to sleep in that. But hey, the greatest of all, Jesus was born in a manger. He was laid in a manger. So it goes to show like he, he came like in probably the most uncomfortable way, like the worst circumstances maybe at this time. Uh, but yet he is Christ and he is Lord and he's the one that came to save us. And it goes to show also that God can really use any circumstance, no matter how ugly, no matter how dirty it looks, to bring greatness out of that, right? So that, uh, the word in that I was referring to from the Greek really means sleeping floor. Generally, this meaning, like I showed in that picture, the second floor, like the sleeping floor was the second floor because the animals were kept on the first floor of, of these homes here in this area. And, uh, and, and there's actually no, I was reading and some commentaries and stuff, and there's no actual evidence that says like animals were actually there. Like, yeah, we see the nativity scene, we see all these animals and everything because it hints that like this is where animals would be kept, but we don't actually know for certain uh, and, and I've never seen it in scripture. Maybe you have, and maybe I'm just reading the wrong translation. I don't know, but I'm just saying it never actually is for certain. Like, Hey, animals are there because the animals are kept on the first floor. When they say there's no room in the end, they're just saying there's no room where people normally sleep, but they didn't have a choice. They had to go somewhere. So they went to where the manger was. 
And Jesus was born normally, where, where, where livestock were actually normally kept. Again, uh, what I was getting to that was that we basically don't know if the animals were there or not. And if they were, great. If they weren't, great. Either way, it stank. Let's be honest. Like, Devin and Lily, they got animals. It stank. I've been there a lot. It don't smell good. <laughs> uh, am I wrong? I mean, come on. Devin probably can't even smell it. He's so used to it. But yeah, okay. Uh, anyways, it stank. It's dirty, okay? It's not, it's not a bed and breakfast going on there. And that goes to show that the dirtiest parts of you are exactly what God has come for. Because he, his son was delivered in a manger, in the dirtiest place you could probably think of. And that is where he chose. I don't think that's, that's by accident. I don't think that's, that's just a coincidence here. And this hope that we have, this hope is for your home. You think of this. And I'm gonna give you nine steps. And don't worry, nine, I know it sounds like, like oh shoot, Ross, we're gonna be here forever. No, I promise, we're gonna fly through these things and it's gonna be good. We're gonna have fun, all right? Y'all with me? Okay. First step, start with the Christmas story. I know, it's simple. You're like, well, duh, why wouldn't I? Well, yeah, some people don't. And it hasn't been a tradition. Growing up for me, we read it every single year. Um, and, and we always read the Christmas story. Sometimes we fought over uh, who gets to read the Christmas story. Uh, I, when I was a baby, when we had a Christmas, I remember a time, they just kept me in my little rocky, little swingy thingy, thingy, whatever those things were called. They just put me in the corner. And they all did their Christmas and they opened up my Christmas presents for me. And it was like diapers, like what? That ain't a present for me. Anyways, uh, I'm grateful. Uh, I'm grateful for the diapers. Anyways, uh, we would always fight over who, who gets to read the Christmas story. We always had the, the big, uh, older people will understand this, the big uh, home video set with the VHS. You put it in like big old toe wig, like it's like big, okay? And uh, we always had that. I always wanted to play with the camera. I was like, well, I want to do this. It's fun. I feel legit. Uh, anyways, all that to say, I wanted to show you a short snippet of one of my family Christmases growing up. I think it was uh, 2000, but I want you to, I really want you to listen to my mom, how she starts the video and how she ends the video, because I, I was troubled. <laughs> Yeah. 
That was Christmas in my house. Uh, Jace, can you go to the next slide, please? Uh, so kids or not, read the story, okay? Kids or no kids, read the story, make it a tradition. Uh, if you're anything, we was crazy. I mean, I'm the youngest of six, so my mom's trying to read. Everybody's doing their own thing, and I'm causing havoc. And uh, my sister did not know how to operate the camera. Very unsteady, right? And uh, that's why I said, I'm going to run the camera, because she didn't do a good job. But anyways, uh, all to say, kids or no kids, read the story. Make it a tradition now. Make it a tradition early. And, and make it something that's enjoyable. Make it something they look forward to that your kids will fight over wanting to do. Um, because there is power in the words themselves. There's great power in those words. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So will my word uh, be, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. There is power in the words themselves. So not only do we start with the Christmas story, but continue with your story. If you're at a family gathering or whatever, like this is a perfect opportunity. You get to share, share the Christmas story, you just ask. Most people aren't gonna say uh, no. Like, just be like, yeah, we can read it. Like I'll listen as you read. And then you continue with your story, telling of what God has done in your life, telling what, uh, telling what he's brought you through, what he's bringing you through, what breakthroughs you've had, like the way he has set you free. But don't gloat. Don't gloat about it. Give God credit for your story. You can, you can sit back and say, oh, I did this, this, and this, and then this happened. No, like this, it's all God. 100% all through God and God alone. So don't gloat about it. Give him the credit. Because giving God glory in difficult times and thanking him in all things is a powerful testimony in itself. So no matter what the season looks like for you, no matter whether you're short on finances, you're really struggling, you have a lot of stress, depression, like all the things, whatever it is you're battling right now, this Christmas season, I want you to give God glory even in those seasons, even in those seasons and watch him work because you may not see it right now in your own life, but I bet in the, the people's lives who are watching you, it's gonna change. Something's gonna change. And third, start with Chris's story. Continue with your story. Third, watch your mouth. Real simple, I know. Uh, this is one I probably have to listen to. Uh, not in the sense like I'm you know, dropping F-bombs or anything. I don't do any of that. But I'm saying like watch your mouth because you're starting with the Chris's story and then your story. Whatever comes next is what, is what they're gonna view everything else you've said prior to that. So we must guard your mouth, uh, guard what comes out of your mouth. So whether it's, you know, I don't know, conspiracy theories or whatever else that you like talking about, like, what's up, Quentin? <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Hey, uh, conspiracy theories or, 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 or just rude comments, whatever it is, you need to watch your mouth because if you start, like, start with this Christmas story and you're really talking about Jesus, you start everything with Jesus, that's great. But whatever comes next, they're gonna associate with Jesus. They're gonna associate with that. Like, how true is this if this is what's coming out of their mouth? Just, just things to think about, okay? Just things to think about. Also, don't be a Karen, okay? Not our Karens. We love our Karens here. Karen, I love you. You're not a Karen. You're not a classic Karen. For those who don't know what a Karen is, they always want to pick a fight. They always want to cause trouble. They always want to complain about something, okay? Don't be a Karen. Just be grateful for the time we get to spend with family, grateful for, for, uh, for the gifts, grateful for the food, whatever it is, whatever happens during, during your, your Christmas holiday season, uh, just be grateful. 
Number four, leave the TV off. And you're thinking, oh, but there's football on and all this. Yeah, I know, I get it. But here's the deal. When you're with family, when you're, when you're with family, like it's, if you got the TV on, it's loud, like it's kind of, it's hard to hear, okay? It's hard to hear, one. Two, no, not, not everybody's really being present with one another. And that's an important piece of it. And, and, I, and I'm not saying it to, to put anybody down, shame anybody, condemn anybody in that way. If that's what you do with your family, if that's part of your tradition, great. I'm just saying, I, I believe these things are really important to be able to have a really, really joyful uh, Christmas time with family that will bring a lot of hope to, to those around us, especially in your home. And that was part of the leaving TV off is the fifth one, to be present. Be present, it, it, it goes underrated. We're so worried about hitting, getting the right dish or, or making sure it's just, just right or get the lights laid out just right. Like we're, we're so stressed about everything else, making sense and, 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 and being perfect that we forget to be present with those who we are gathering with. And presence, let's talk about presence. They're, they're only the start of the show. They're only the star of the show because you have made them that way. You, you can ask anybody and you, you think, you, you could ask them and just say, hey, what's the best part about Christmas? A lot of times younger kids will say presents. But if you make Jesus the star of the show, but Jesus at the center and you get to talk about him and the joy that, that there is being in a relationship with Jesus, like I really believe that those things, that will be most important. If the, if the thing that is most important for, for you is looking forward to the gifts, you, you gotta check yourself. I'm just being honest. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just speaking very plainly here. Like I, there was a time in my life I looked forward to presents. I, I, loved, I was like, oh, bet, what am I gonna get? Well, now I'm just like, presents are just all right. Like they're okay. It's really about being with people and remembering the reason for this season most of all. Uh, and your family, they want you to be present and accounted for. Take a deep breath. Not everything has to be perfect. I promise you, your kids... More than likely, your kids will remember whether you're present or not more than if the dish was perfect or if the decorations were perfect. Most important thing is being present and accounted for with your family. Sixth thing, ignore the date on the calendar because when we talk about, yes, your immediate family, uh, like that's important, like husband, wife, any kids you got, like, yeah, if you say, hey, we're celebrating on Christmas day, like that's the deal. But um, when it comes to extended family, everybody wants to celebrate like, are we gonna do it on Christmas day or the Sunday before or the day after, day before, whatever. I, wanna, I just wanna make something really clear, not to attack anybody in any sense, but when your kids marry, you become extended family. They, they two become one. So when, when that, it's a, it's a biblical principle. So when your kids and they get married, they go get married and when they decide, hey, we're not coming here on this day because this is our time together, you gotta respect it. And you really, you should probably rejoice in it that they are, that they are doing something as their own family. I'm not saying never spend time with your extended family, not saying any of that, unless they're crazy and you're just like, I don't want to. But uh, all that's say, when you get married, your, your immediate, what was your immediate family, they become your extended family. Matthew 19, five says, and, and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh, but there, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. It's biblical. 
okay? It's not just a, you know, yes, your feelings may get hurt or whatever, you may feel offended, but it's a biblical principle and we have to be okay with it and we should rejoice in it. Number seven for the day is leave the politics for another day. You're probably like, what, you're saying that? Yeah, because generally we talk about a lot of things that culture doesn't wanna talk about here at Live Church, any of our campuses. But here's the deal. When I say this, I'm not saying completely avoid the topic. I'm just saying, don't go pick a fight. Like if somebody's saying something and that you complete, and it's a political, like it's something biblical, me, I'm probably gonna go say something, okay? If it goes directly against the word of God. But if it's something political that, that I don't think is like, it's not worth the argument or, or the discussion, like I'm not doing that. And, and I'm, I'm only telling you in this sense, just, just leave it for another day. It'll be okay. What can you do most to reflect Jesus? And he does care about, he does care about policies because policies affect people. I'm I, 100%, I'm right there with you. But another day, just don't go pick a fight especially with this, because we all, we all got family that we, we all don't see eye to eye on. Everybody has them, I'm sure. And, and that's part of it, okay? That's part of being in a family. Like not everybody's gonna see eye to eye on everything, but this is one thing that tears a lot of families apart because nobody wants to go to family gatherings anymore because all it is is they talk about politics and they get to argue and this, that, and the other. Well, let's change that. Let's bring our families back together. Don't let politics divide our family. That's exactly what the enemy wants. I firmly believe that. And most importantly, Jesus is greater than your politics. He's far greater than your politics. I'm not saying politics aren't important. Don't hear that. I I believe they are. But Jesus is far more important. He's far greater. And I wanna ask this question to you. If everyone voted with you, but spent eternity without Jesus, would that be okay? Honest question. Are you, are you more pressed to, to try to convince people to vote a certain way than to give their life to Jesus? Honest question. Where are your, where's your heart? Where is it aligned? Number eight is to be generous. Be generous during the season. I'm not saying it always has to be money, give money here, give money there, anything, but be generous with your time. Be, be generous with those around you. Be generous in your laughter. Be generous in, in giving. Uh, there was a story that I heard that somebody brought a ham to their uh, family Christmas. So good. Everybody loved it. It was like the bomb.com. And then they went to go, get, go back for seconds or thirds because you know that's how it is. And nobody could find the ham. They were like, is it an oven? Like, where is it at? Come to find out the person that brought it actually took it and put it in their car so they could have leftovers for themselves. I'm like, if it's that good, I mean, I don't really blame you, but at the same time, like, that doesn't speak generosity. It's their right, it's their, it's their dish that they brought, sure, I get that, but does that really speak generosity? The gospel in itself should inspire a heart of generosity. It should inspire a heart of wanting to give right off your back. Some of you say, I really like that scarf. Here you go, you can have it. That may be hard to wrap our heads around or maybe hard to just think to, to do that. But can you think about how you can be generous this season? Be, I want us, I want you guys to be known in your family for your generosity. I want people after this Christmas to be, I can't wait to have them back because they are so generous. 
they, they helped to do, do this before. They helped tear down this after. And what can you do during this season to be generous with your time that will reflect the heart of Jesus, most importantly? And number nine is make Jesus the center. I'm not saying every single conversation, every single discussion, anything like that. I'm not saying it has to, every single thing has to revolve around Jesus, but at the end of the day, I mean, it does. Like everything does, like he is the center. The one thing nativity scenes get right is placing him right at the center because he is our greatest hope. He is our living hope. And as I'm gonna invite our worship team back up and I want us to think about which of these areas do we do well in of these nine things and which ones can we do better in? Which ones do we need help in? When we talk about making Jesus at the center, I, I, I put this in here because our Christmas service, our Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve Eve service is actually Jesus at the center. We're inviting people to our Christmas experience, but, but the theme is Jesus at the center. And I wanted to share it now because I want you to realize how important it is to be in line with that he should be at the center. He needs to be at the center. And not just during Christmas, every day of our lives, quite honestly. But we have, because of him, we have a hope that is unlike any other. We have a hope that can be for our town. We, can, we have a hope that can be for our home. And I want us to remember him as our living hope. When we talk about Jesus at the center, there's, there's the two dates, January 23rd and, and 24th. It's in your notes if you've got your sermon notes, but I wanted to share them with you so you didn't forget them. At 6 p.m. on the 23rd, at 10 a.m. on the 24th, this is an opportunity for you you, to, to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus by literally just all you have to do is invite. All you have to do is invite. We'll take care of the rest. And by we, I mean God, really, because he's the one that gives us direction. He's the one that, <coughs> that we submit to. And I have a challenge for you. I want you to give four personal invites and four text invites. We have invite cards at the back on the tall tables uh, there behind each of the, the rows of chairs and also at our welcome center. Those are there for you because I think it is so important because we have, we have an abundance of people here that if we just invited just one, I mean, that would be huge. But my challenge for you is to invite eight. Be personal with it. The backs I left blank so you could write a note for you if you want. Last year uh, during Easter, Phil took them and put them in, uh, in <laughs> this is so funny. He put them in gas pumps where their card had to go so they had to pull it out to be able to put their card in because then they had it. <laughs> They're like, oh, I can't do it. Well, I guess maybe I'll check it out. Maybe people throw them away, whatever, but we got to do our part because our, our job ultimately is to bring hope, share the good news, with great joy to all people. And maybe you're here today and you think, I don't really understand this hope. I don't really have a relationship with Jesus, but the hope that you're talking about, I want it. It sounds good. I wanna give you that opportunity. With every head bowed and eyes closed this morning, I wanna give the opportunity for 
for you to make that decision. If it's, it's not for you, for your family, whatever. Just sit here in this moment with the Lord and I just wanna allow him, just reflect on the hope.